Good morning. It's great to see everyone today. We appreciate so much your presence. If you notice, it's brighter in here. There's a reason for that. Jared changed the light bulbs, and so hopefully nobody will go to sleep. But uh, it looks a lot better. We appreciate Jared and the great work that he did this past week. I know they've done a lot of work trying to uh, trying to get our sound system better, and we appreciate all that's been done uh, in that capacity. I also want to thank Brad for putting together our prayer break- breakfast yesterday. He did a great job. Uh, we had a good turnout. Uh, if you are a teacher, an administrator, a coach, if you're a student, uh, we want you to know that uh, you were in our prayers yesterday, and uh, we appreciate all that you do, and Hopefully and prayerfully, you'll have a great, great school year this year. And appreciate so much those who came and led prayers yesterday and those who were a part of that. I'm going to be looking today in our study at John chapter 13. I want to invite you to look with me today at John chapter 13, verses 33, 36 through 38. As we think about when giants fall. Peter was a great man, and there are so many things that we could say about the life of Peter. I have no doubt that many of us can probably identify with his nature. Peter had so many good qualities, and as you well know, Peter would often speak before he thought, and yet You look at his heart, his sincerity, his love, his courage. I mean, he had many, many desirable traits. And yet, despite all of the good that is recorded about the life of Peter, Peter made, as we would say, some grave mistakes. I think about people that many of us would consider to be spiritual giants. In other words, they almost seem inhuman because of their spiritual strength and their leadership and the qualities that make them what they are. And there are many people that you and I, we look up to and we aspire to be like them. And yet sometimes it's good for us to step back and to remember, you know what, they were just human beings that they had feet of clay, that sometimes they didn't necessarily measure up. What that says to me is there's hope. You remember Abraham? Abraham, of course, called the friend of God. On at least two occasions, Abraham didn't necessarily tell the truth. David. David was a great man, and you look back in the history of the Israelite nation, and I would imagine that he was without peer. David was the United, he was the king over the United Kingdom. He welded tremendous power and influence. God said, he's a man after my own heart. David, you remember, stood toe-to-toe with Goliath. Goliath, of course, was of massive stature. And David, David beat him on that occasion. David slew Goliath. 
And then you think about later in life, a pretty little lady by the name of Bathsheba brought him down. And so, great men, yes. Frail men at times, absolutely. So what about Peter? What is it that stands out about Peter? I want to read for you what John records as Jesus begins to make plans and preparations to leave this world. In verse 33, Jesus said, little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, where I'm going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, and then look at verse 36. Simon Peter said, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why cannot I follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered him, will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. I think in order for us to appreciate the nature of our study today when giants fall, first we need to think about the faith of Peter. Think with me if you would for just a moment or two about his faith. And Peter was a man, I believe, of great faith. You go back to Matthew's account in Matthew chapter 4. And the Bible tells us that Peter and Andrew were brothers and they were fishermen. And I think about fishermen in the first century, some of the difficulties and trials that they would face on the sea. These guys were not weak. They were not timid, but rather they were people that could stand the test. As we would say, they were tough, rugged, outdoorsmen. And so we read about the call. You remember Jesus as they were Tending to, tending to their fishing duties, the Lord Jesus called them. And he said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And the Bible says, immediately they left their nets and followed him. Two things here. First, I think about the personal nature of this call. The Lord Jesus knew exactly who he wanted to be a part of of his ministry. And you think about how Jesus identified 12 very special men, selected them to serve under his tutelage. They had the opportunity to sit at his feet and to learn from him. But no doubt he saw something in these men that he liked. He saw them as pieces of clay that he could begin to mold and to make into something very special. And so his call was very personal. He wanted Peter to be among his disciples. And then I think about the profound nature of his call, the fact that it wasn't just any call, but you think about Jesus is beginning his public ministry. For some three, three and a half years, Peter and the other disciples are going to have the opportunity 
to learn so many things. And so I think about the profound nature of this call. It was educational first and foremost. They had so much to learn. Do you remember in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, after Jesus had ascended to heaven, the church is in existence, and the apostles are out preaching and teaching, and Peter and John, of course, they have healed a man at the gate of the temple in Jerusalem. They were being interrogated by the Sanhedrin council. They wanted to know by what power, what name have you done this great deed? And in verse 13, the Bible says, the council took knowledge they recognized that Peter and John were untrained and uneducated men. In other words, they had not been to any special school. They had not sat at the feet of Gamaliel as Saul of Tarsus did, but rather they were just itinerant fishermen. They had been with Jesus for three and a half years, and you think about the words of Jesus and all of the things that they had opportunity to hear. Do you remember in Matthew chapter 5, down through chapter 7, Jesus delivered what is typically called the Sermon on the Mount. The Bible says at the conclusion of that great sermon, those who were assembled were astonished because they said, this man teaches with authority, not as one of the scribes. There was something special about what Jesus had to say. Of course, Peter would say on one occasion, Lord, you have the words of life eternal. John chapter 7, verse 46 says of Jesus or about Jesus, no man ever spoke like this man. So here they were sitting at the feet of Jesus. It was educational but also it was transformational in the sense that it changed their lives, didn't it? And you know, you think about the call today to become a child of God, to become a disciple of Jesus. If we're not living a changed life, then something's amiss, isn't it? The gospel calls on us to make changes, to, to live a different way. When you look at the life of Peter and Andrew and James and John and the other disciples, Look at how they were transformed by the power of God's word. They heard all these great words. They saw his works. They saw miracle after miracle after miracle. And Jesus said, the very works that I do bear witness to me that the Father sent me. In other words, they authenticated his claims of deity. So these men were changed in a great way, in a good way, as we would say. And hopefully and prayerfully, as we think about our Christian life, we have been changed as a result of our relationship to the Lord. So I think about his call and then his confession. The Bible tells us that the apostle Peter had the opportunity to examine firsthand the nature of Jesus. I said just a moment ago that the call was educational. And you think about for three years they had the opportunity to see firsthand what Jesus was about. They heard sermon after sermon after sermon. They saw sign after sign after sign. 
And so they had the opportunity to literally be schooled at the feet of Jesus. And so Peter, as the other disciples, apostles did, had opportunity to examine him, an examination of Jesus. But then there was an exclamation. Do you remember in Matthew chapter 16 when Jesus probed the disciples, who do men say that I the son of man am? And they said, look, some say you're John the Baptist. Some Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But then he asked this question, but whom do you say that I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ. In other words, you're the Messiah, the anointed one the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood is not revealed it unto you, but my father which is in heaven. In John 6, when Jesus identified himself as the bread of life, and the Bible says that many of those present on that occasion said, this is a hard saying, a difficult saying, who can understand it? And you can read that text and you'll find many of his disciples went back, walked no more with him. The Lord Jesus then asked the penetrating question, will you also go away? And Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of life eternal. Then he said, and we have come to believe and to know that you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Okay, how did they come to believe and know that Jesus was who he claimed to be? Well, by his works, by his words. They examined the evidence and their conclusion was, okay, this is God's only son. So I think about the faith of Peter. He's a man of great faith. But then secondly, I want you to think with me for just a moment or two about his fall. And as we think about the fall of Peter, I would remind you of what Paul said many, many years ago. Paul said, if any man thinks he stands, take heed. Do you remember why? Lest he fall. Could I say this morning that sometimes maybe we think we're stronger than we are. Maybe we think that we have the spiritual strength and stamina to stand toe-to-toe with the adversary and we're not quite as strong as we think we are. So you look at the life of Peter and you think about his faith, but then about his fall. What the Lord Jesus does is prophesies of the fall of Peter. So listen again to what Jesus said in verse 33. Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. And he said, you'll seek me, and as I said to the Jews where I'm going, you cannot come, so now I say to you. And then verse 36, Peter Peter asked the question, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus said, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. And Peter said to him, Lord, why cannot I follow you for your sake? I'll lay down my life for you. And then Jesus asked this question, will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. Now think about that for a minute. The Lord is saying to Peter specifically, to this great man of faith, you know what? You're going to reject me. You're going to renounce me. And Peter repudiated that, didn't he? Peter said, not so, Lord. 
As a matter of fact, if you go back and you look at Matthew's account and Mark's account, Jesus quoted scripture. And he said, they will strike the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. And Peter spoke up and he said, Lord, though all be made to stumble, I will not stumble. And then the Lord Jesus said, the rooster will not crow before you deny me three times. And Peter said, Lord, I'm willing to die for you. I will not deny you. And the Bible says all the disciples said the same thing. So now look at the picture painted in Scripture of his fall. Do you remember in Matthew's account, Jesus, of course, was taken to the high priest. He stood before Annas and Caiaphas, and then he was later brought before Pontius Pilate. Pilate then sent him to Herod, and then Herod sent him back to Pilate. But as Jesus begins the scenes of the trial as revealed by the gospel writers, Peter's present. He's nearby. And so there's this servant girl and she sees him. And she said, this fellow was with Jesus of Galilee. And he denied it. I don't know him. Another, another girl spoke up. And she said, he was with Jesus of Nazareth. And the Bible says this time that he swore with an oath. And here's what he said. I know not the man. A little bit later, it was said, he was, he was one of them. And Matthew tells us he began to curse and to swear. And he said, I know not the man. And then you remember that rooster crowed. And the Bible says he remembered the words of Jesus. And he went out and wept bitterly. You know, sometimes when we say or do something that we know we shouldn't say or do, we look back and we think about the disappointment, obviously, that it has that it's caused God. But I think about sometimes how we disappoint ourselves. We expect better of ourselves, don't we? Don't you think, Peter, I mean, this man of great faith, this fellow that said, look, Lord, I'm, will, I'm willing to go, to, I'm willing to go all the way, all the way to death. If that's what it takes, I'm willing to die with you. And then when push came to shove, what happened? He recanted, didn't he? He disavowed any association with Jesus. Yes, Peter disappointed the Lord. Yes, Peter was a disappointment, no doubt, to the other disciples. But don't you think that Peter disappointed himself? 
Have there been times in my life when I've done things that have disappointed, have disappointed my own self? Absolutely. You know, sometimes we live beneath our knowledge, don't we? We, we know what's right, but then we, we just don't adhere to it. So I think about his great faith. He was a man of faith. And then I think about his fall. But then thirdly, and I think very importantly, his forgiveness. Because the picture wouldn't be complete without his forgiveness, would it? So let's talk for a minute or two about his restoration. And I want to remind you of something that was said by one of the angels. Do you remember in Mark 16, the Bible talks about those women who went to the tomb and what they found was an empty tomb. And the Bible says the question was asked to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? In other words, Jesus has been raised just as he said many, many times earlier. And so there is this young man present on that occasion. And Mark says that he instructed them to go to the other disciples. And then he said, and to Peter. And tell him that I go before them to Galilee. Why do you think he included Peter there? I think that's significant. Because Peter had denied him. He turned his back on him. And I think what the Lord was saying is, look, I've still, I've still got a plan for him. I'm still using. And so, you think about not just the instructions that were given, but I want to take you now to John chapter 21. And Jesus has now appeared to a number of people. Peter's out fishing. And the Lord arrives on the scene. They eat breakfast together. And then following their breakfast, the Lord Jesus begins to ask some very probing and personal questions. He said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? You remember, of all the disciples, Peter's the one that stood up. He's the one that stood front and center and said, Lord, look, though everybody else may turn away from you, though everybody may forsake you, I will not forsake you. If you've got somebody in your corner, then that one person, that, that's me. So ask him, do you love me more than these? And the Bible says that Simon responded by saying, Lord, you know that I love you. There's a play on words here, lost in our English trans translation. The Lord asked, do you love me? Agape love, in other words, the highest form of love, that sacrificial, serving type of love. And Peter said, Lord, you know I love you. Phileo love, in other words, brotherly love. Love for a friend, fondness, 
endearment. So then Jesus asked a second time, Simon, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know that I love you. And again, agape love versus phileo love. Third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And you can just hear it in Peter's voice, can't you? Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. Peter denied the Lord Jesus Christ three times, didn't he? Three times he affirmed his love. I want to close as we think about his forgiveness by talking for a moment or two about his renewal. And I want to close on a positive note. Because I think sometimes when we make mistakes in life, however grave those mistakes may be, and let me tell you, we've all made plenty. Some probably more so than others, but the bottom line is we all make mistakes. We all do things that sometimes disappoint us, disappoint others, disappoint the Lord. But you think about Peter. Was it a colossal failure? Yes, it was. When we talk about hitting the ground hard, he hit it hard. He thumped the ground. And yet, God could still use him, couldn't he? I mentioned Abraham. And you think about the imperfections in the life of Abraham, and yet Abraham was identified by God as his friend. He became the father of the Hebrew nation. And through his lineage, ultimately, the Christ would come into the world. And Paul would say in Galatians chapter 3, if you're, if you're Christ, you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. God still used him, didn't he? Despite his imperfections. David, a man after God's own heart. Was David perfect? No, he was not. Did he fall hard? Yes, he did. Did he suffer immensely for his mistakes? Yes, he did. But God still used him in a great way, didn't he? And ultimately, Jesus today sits upon the spiritual throne of David, according to Acts chapter 2. So what about Peter? Look at his life. Think about his faith, his fall, his forgiveness, and yet God used him in such a mighty way. And you ask the question, okay, so how? How did God use this man of clay? Acts chapter 2, Peter standing up with the other 11. Did what? He preached the gospel. We have a record of his inspired sermon recorded by Luke in Acts chapter 2. And Peter talked about Jesus of Nazareth, the one that had been delivered by the determined counsel for knowledge of God. And he indicted those people. He said, you've crucified and slain him. In chapter 3, another lesson by Peter, this great preacher. He became a tremendous evangelist. And you think,